Doesn't this read like a blessing? It's a pronouncement of sort, but to whom, by whom? And this is a clue as to which category this psalm falls into. This was penned by David, and he's speaking to his people or his kingdom. So this psalm is a psalm of royalty, kingship royalty to be exact. We could almost call this psalm a type of benediction, could we not? For doesn't David not pronounce a blessing over his nation, asking God to bless them when they are in distress, requesting God to send help when they are in need, to remember the sacrifices that they've made, to accept those, right? So it's like David is interceding in a sense for his people. That's the first stanza, verses 1 through 5. And then David closes this stanza with, May the Lord grant all your requests, like summarizing it to an extent. After this statement, he then gives a testimony of sort of what God has done for him. Because verse 6 states, Now this I know. (laughs) The confidence in that statement, Now this I know. What do you know? about the Lord. Let's sit in that question for a while. What do we as children of God know about our God? Or a better question could be, what um, experiences have we had with God? When we analyze that, that gets at the heart of our relationship with God, doesn't it? I have shared with you my experiences with God through my caregiving season, but there are so many more stories that I have that I could share of my life with God, right? And where I have witnessed him giving me favor, and I'll give you one. When I was stationed in Japan, I um, needed to get my master's degree so that I would um, not ensure, but that was kind of one of the unspoken prerequisites for making it from captain to major was you needed to have your master's degree. 
Well, actually, you really didn't. You really didn't need it until you wanted to make um, lieutenant colonel. But everyone would always get their master's, their captain year. So you could not go before the promotion board without yours when all of your peers had theirs. So the unspoken rule was you needed to get your master's degree. So I was stationed in Japan and they had a satellite. They always have um, um tuition assistance and they have various satellite universities to assist service members with getting you know various degree programs and so Troy State was there at that particular base and I went and I enrolled and for the first semester you could enroll without having all the necessarily necessary documentation your transcripts and things like that in And so as I got my transcript from my undergraduate, Howard University, I sent that in. I'm taking classes. Everything is going well. And then the administrative um, person, she was like, well, we see here in this transcript that you transferred some credits from um, a two-year college. I was like, yeah, that was, you know, St. Phillips in San Antonio. And she was like, well, we need that transcript too. Now, that upset me because I'm thinking, well, why do you need transcripts for another universe, another institution that transferred from the university that I actually have the degree from? Do you think that the degree is invalid? Is that what you're stating? You know, that's my thought process. Um, but of course, I was going to do what was required. But I'm stationed in Japan now. We don't have internet. None of that stuff that wasn't that era so you have to get up in the morning you have to make phone calls and all of that back and forth it was a trip right and so I finally get that transcript in and she says but didn't you go to another one San Antonio I was like oh my goodness and so I'm trying to get all of these different transcripts I took one calculus class at the University of DC so it's like I'm trying to get all of these various transcripts via telephone from Japan The policy of the university was you could take one semester without having the documentation in. But if you did not have the documentation, then you'd have to sit out until you got documentation. By God's grace, I never sat out for a semester. And I didn't even know that this was the policy until maybe four semesters in where I was still trying to get documentation to come in they never the institution never asked me to set out but I recall one gentleman because we were there was a group of us that were doing this particular um, program together and one gentleman he was in the navy he missed a semester and I saw him you know out and about and I was like hey how come you haven't been in class and he said well I don't have all of my transcripts and so they won't allow me to take any more classes until I get them in now immediately the Holy Spirit told me to shut up and not say anything and I just said oh that's unfortunate but I recognized I knew that I didn't have all of my stuff in but yet they were allowing me to take classes That's nothing but the goodness of God. And so when I finally sent all of my paperwork in, was in May. I started the program in September, the previous year. In May, I had one more class left before I could get, before I qualified for my master's. And so I got a letter that stated you have one more class before your master's and you take that class on this date and then another letter that said we've accepted you into our program we have all of your transcripts that's nothing but God 
And so based on that experience and many, many others, what I can say is now this I know about God, and that is he's faithful, that he opens doors where I thought that there was a wall. Now this I know about my God is that he loves me. I have experienced his kindness, so this I know about my God is that he is kind and he is good. I also know that God has a sense of humor. I promise I can almost hear him laughing when I get up in the morning and my hair is plastered to my face. I almost can hear him laughing. (laughs) This I know about God. What do you know about your God? Take some time to think about it. Even write it down. It could serve as a great way to um, remind you of what God um, has done for you, what you've experienced with him. And then you can look back when the enemy's on your back and you need some encouragement. You can look back over this and remember, oh, yeah, this I know about God. He is faithful because he delivered me. Almost like those Ebenezer's that I've talked to you before. But you could just preference it with this I know about God. Well, after this testimony, David follows with a request for victory for himself, right? Because he is king. And then to answer the prayers of his citizens. We know when we pray, we can make our request to God, but it shouldn't just be for ourselves. It should be for others as well. Our petitions are not to solely be self-centered, you know, around ourselves or our family members, you know, people who we, we know, so to speak, but for everyone who's suffering. The people in Ukraine, Russia, Syria, here in America, everyone. And some, you know, sometimes I don't know the specifics of what to pray for, for even friends, especially for people that I don't know, right? So what I end up doing is I ask for God's will to be done in their lives or in a situation. Because let's think about it. As a minimum, we want people to be drawn closer to God, right? We want them to surrender to him and for them to walk in the fruit of the spirit, as we are, right? (laughs) That God's will will be done. And I think it's a nice way to pray for individuals and circumstances where you don't have that intimate knowledge of what's going on in their lives. But you do know that God is good and he knows. And of course, it serves no good purpose to try and go against God because God's going to win. (laughs) Ask Jonah. Yeah. So. You just pray for God's will to be done. And sometimes you have to pray for you to be able to accept God's will. Because sometimes God's will, especially if you're you're not walking in alignment with him, it's not going to be what you want. And so be mature enough to be able to, to state that you want his will to be done and to accept whatever that will is. What we... As children of the Most High God, you know, what we want for others is for them to be drawn to him, for his will, right, to be done in our lives and in others. And I hope you are agreeing with me in this. We want to be mature children. I don't know if we'll ever make it to the adult stage with God, but we want to be mature. So we pray for God's will to be done in people's lives. We ask him to grant their request because we know that he will. Because he's an- he answers us when we're in distress. Because this we know about God. What I'm going to do now 
as I'm going to close in prayer and I'm going to use this psalm as bookends, so to speak, of our prayers, just to give you an example of a way in which you can, I don't know, change up your prayer life or and or use this um, in your prayers, how you can use scripture and the psalms in your prayer, in your prayer life. So here we go. Most gracious and heavenly Father, may the Lord answer us when we are in distress. May your name, God, the God of Jacob, protect us. May you send help from your sanctuary and grant support from on high. May you remember all of our sacrifices and accept our burnt offerings, our offerings of time and tithe and whatever we bring to you, Lord. May you give us the desires of our heart that are aligned with your will and make our plans that are aligned with your will succeed. Help us to shout for joy for all that you do for us, for giving us victory, and to lift up our banners in your name, O Lord. We ask, Lord, that you grant our requests in the form of helping us as we continue on this caregiving season to help us to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, to help us to look at the person, our loved one, who you have given us charge over, and to see you in them, to allow you to strengthen us in the days ahead that may be uncertain or things that may be coming to an end. We ask, Father, that you help us to be a light in a dark place in our communities, perhaps in our families. We ask, Father, that you bring unity in our families and our marriages with our children who may be wayward. We ask, Father, that your will be done in their lives. We want what you want for them and us. We want them to be drawn closer to you. We want people to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. We want unity in the body of Christ to not allow the denominations that we have to separate us, but just to realize it's just a different way of worshiping you. But as long as you are in the center, that we can come together and we can be a united front and people can see that your bride is coming together and all of the wonderful things that we can do as a body of believers in your name. We ask, Father, that you strengthen us for this day. We've already asked that you make our plans succeed, but we submit our plans to you if it is not your will, or we submit our plans to you anyway because we want your will to be done in our lives. Lord, we ask that you grant our requests. For this we know about you, Lord, is that you give victory to your anointed, which is us that you answer us from your heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power that is in your right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses and men and and money in the stock market. But Father, we trust in the name of the Lord our God that they are brought to their knees and fall, Father. But we know we will rise and stand firm in you. Lord, give victory to the people who you have given charge over us from our pastors to our governors, our mayors, our prime ministers, our presidents, our kings. Answer us, Lord, when we call. 
for we are your children and we stand ready to do what you have asked us to do. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How is that? You think you can do that? I think you can do that as well. Go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye.